and um, we're going to have, you know, get to hear from him and his journey. And um, welcome to everybody after our month break. Um, so I'm going to start by reading um, Merle Dyer's bio, and then we'll jump into making him be the, the, the one doing all the talking and I'll be quiet. <laughs> well, it's a conversation, yeah. <laughs> It'll be a conversation, exactly. So Merle Dar was raised in a very religious Catholic Latin American family with a strong worth ethic and humble beginnings. His mother's father was a dairy farmer and so he grew up on a farm for half of his childhood in Mexico. He was born in Northern California and he lived in a low income household. He was a first generation, he was first generation born in USA. Um, he dealt with racial prejudice and difficulty in his early schooling. Um, his family was religious and had very strong devotion to Mother Mary. And he also has an aunt in Mexico who is a nun and a good friend. Um, he did consider priesthood in his teens. I could see that you look like you could have been a priest. I'm glad you decided to become a priest in our group. <laughs> um, <laughs> during his later education, uh, going into university, he always strived to serve humanity on the highest platform he could conceive. He studied existential and transpersonal psychology in university, and in his early 20s became a certified hypnotherapist. He wanted to learn, he wanted to help people learn how to help themselves. His quest is to find the highest service, um, always stay he, the highest, wants the highest service that he can always do. And, um, and then he was blessed with the opportunity to serve in bhakti yoga. He lived in India for two years and he had a guru fall down. He's, <clears throat> I've, he's learned and experienced more of his spiritual nature and have since then dedicated almost everything in the service to those that have, have seen and been seen on the highest platform. To this day, he lives to serve the closest people to God that he can reach and realize. He's striving for his eternal relationship with divinity, with Krishna. Now he's currently reorienting his life to incorporate his professional field again and continue to desire to live in Guru Maharaj's ashrams. So he's coming to a place of integration of his, his gifts that he's been given and how to use them in Krishna's service. So, yes, yeah, so we'll start off. I mean, you did, did speak a little, a little bit in your bio about um, early life and things that may have indicated that your life was met for more than just a materialistic life. <laughs> you want to yeah. share anything, any other things that um, gave you some indication that you were not a normal child? <laughs> um, 
in, in some ways, yeah, the uh, my kind of tendency to just want to really spend time in nature and spend a lot of time by myself had always been there when I was really young. Um, I'd always had a very vivid imagination. So I, I had no qualms. I had no difficulty just spending hours in the forest by myself and just playing with my imaginary friends per se with um, the trees, with the plants, the animals, and just in my own world. Um, and as far as I can remember being very young, I always had this like, this really strong internal feeling of, of a close friend, mm. a friend that I could always be with, uh, even when I wasn't with others. And so it was, it was always been quite nourishing to be able to kind of just be by myself, recharge, um, and be able to just be in my own world uh, without necessity of needing or being somewhere else or with somebody else and um, even in my early years um, when I was 8, 10, 12 I had friends in the area that were not so friendly <laughs> but because that was the situation I was living in I had no few other choices um, in terms of friends. I had really close cousins that I spent a lot of time with, but they lived uh, in another town or another realm altogether. And so we would see each other on weekends and such, but school friends and, uh, and the such were always kind of, they were more needy in, in terms of wanting me to play with them. And I was always kind of trying to push them away and a lot of times it was just mostly mostly just kind of abuse um in the sense that they're we're so okay they grew up in a household that was broken in themselves and uh i was blessed and i am blessed to have been born in a family that's been so nurturing um so kind of loving and caring and uh cohesive Whereas I would often see, uh, especially in my Caucasian friends, um, broken families, uh, fathers leaving and such that would create such turmoil in their minds, in their life, and uh, just be such troublemakers. And I would, of course, get in trouble with them and uh, just, you know, a lot of bad influences and such. Uh, but otherwise, feeling, always feeling comfortable with, my, with being uh, by myself. Um, Okay. and had a close friend yeah 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 there's always had this sense of like a close internal friend and whom i could never really had a name for but i mm. could always just trust and just communicate with um internally um, very fond memories early on just uh, going to the ocean riding bicycles in the forest i spent <laughs> uh, i i like the saying that my front yard was the Pacific Ocean and my backyard was the Redwood Forest. So it was, I spent a lot of time just uh, yeah, being outdoors in nature um, and just, yeah, play, playing, playing with insects or animals or, or plants. Um, yeah, loving, loving the natural surroundings. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I recall as a kid, 
when my parents and or uncles or grandfathers would ask me, oh, what, what would you like to do when you grow up? Who would you like to be? And, uh, at first, initially, I would not wanted to be a firefighter or some sort of police officer, or some service-oriented sort of mm-hmm. community service. I wanted to save people's lives. <laughs> I wanted to be the hero as such. Um, and so I always thought, yeah, that would be a nice service kind of work, you know, that people need some sort of help in some field. And if, especially if the house is on fire, I could go in there and save their lives and physically save them from pain and, and death and such. So I've always had this inclination of service to, to people. Um, and then as I grew a bit older in high school and into college, that same kind of tendency per se uh, grew more and more in terms of not how just to save people physically, but then how to serve and help them emotionally or psychologically. And so that's how uh, then I got into psychology and hypnotherapy. Hold on. Um, Rajahari Das, can you mute yourself? To do it for some reason. Hare Krishna, Rajahari, it's not letting me mute him. Really? Yeah. Okay. Just kind of see if I can. I'm sorry for the interruption. No problem. Things happen. <laughs> a live event. It's been proven. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's very interesting that it won't mute. Okay. okay, so yeah, so very service oriented. So that's yeah. been just... always like people, like helping people, um, learning different tools, especially in the psychology psychology realm. Um, I learned the, <laughs> the the potency of hypnosis at one point. Uh, <laughs> I hypnotized my, my, my younger sister once uh, after, after been, being at a stage hypnotist in high school. And I'm like, oh, man, I can do that. I can, I can just talk to people until they just go into an altered state. And so I did so with my sister and uh, convince her and my, my dad the, the following day after testing and finding out it works, uh, I got my dad to come over and confirm. And then I got my sister to bite into an onion as if it were an apple. Wow. And uh, I mean, she was biting into that onion like it was, it was an apple. It was just like, wow. And then so it, it convinced me at 17 that the, um, these altered states of awareness that we can enter into uh, as humans are very powerful and very, uh, mm-hmm. very much, uh, have a, the potential for for hurting and helping ourselves right so learning then consciousness awareness the mind uh, psychology at that point forward was uh, was something that I found very uh, interesting um, and then so I got into that realm and I very much helped myself and then uh, decided that at that point to pursue it as a career in my early 20s uh, Right around the same time, I was introduced to yoga. In fact, my first yoga teacher, um, Marlene Mulder, she uh, was a hypnotherapist. She was my one of my two hypnotherapy teachers, mm-hmm. and uh, she introduced me to Shiva and uh, yoga and Patanjali and the system that is 
the Ashtanga yoga. And uh, she, she was my, my first little bridge to yoga uh, at 20. Yeah. And around that same time, reading uh, Srila Prabhupada Bhagavad Gita was a major influence in my life. Um, at that point in time, I was going to college. Uh, I had a girlfriend I was living with in near Santa Rosa in Novato, California. And near uh, uh, yeah, in Northern California. Yeah. Uh, in that area within a few hours of Audaria, mm-hmm. correct? Uh, funny enough, my hometown is only an hour away from Audaria. Uh, mm-hmm. The wow. town of Philo. In fact, I have family, lots of family. <laughs> Half the town is my family. Uh, they're in Philo, <laughs> practically. Wow. So it was, yeah, it was quite interesting to uh, visit Audaria for the first time back in 2014. And mm-hmm. uh, been like so far away they're so close yet so far away in, in many ways when i grew up i'd spent summers there in boonville and philo and uh play in the uh orchards there the fruits the cherries the apples the pears wow those were fun times yeah just eating my, my to my stomach's content <laughs> um so yeah, that's a bit of my background uh, early on in my life, um, especially once I turned 20, 22. Uh, after reading Bhagavad uh, Gita, uh, I was, it, for me, I'm a slow reader, but at that time, reading it within a couple of weeks was a fast, fast read for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was thoroughly convinced at one point, I remember the day, in fact, I was sitting in the kitchen and thinking, who is God? If there is a God, and he's the highest form, you know, what, what would God be doing in the highest form of like, you know, rasa or, tat or enjoyment and certainly being in Vrindavan with cows and the gopis and the gopas and having myself grow up in a farm uh, early in my childhood, I was very fond of that idea. Uh, and I was very thoroughly convinced that this, uh, the Gita was, was topmost knowledge. Um, wow. And then from there, it was just like, I got together with a small online sangha of devotees in my early 20s, 20, no, 23, 24, 25. And um, uh, that same sangha, uh, Madan Mohan Prabhu was a part of. And uh, uh, several other uh, god brothers are mine who are still, still around. Oh. Um, and yeah, it was just an online online sangha of bhaktas and at that point <sighs> around 24 25 i got married and i was about to finish college and i was about to start my career open an office in san francisco and then i just felt so compelled to just go to india oh. around that this was after after you had gotten married Correct. Yes. And so did you go? <laughs> did you just pick up and go to India? Oh, it was, yeah, it was within like six months to a year. I decided, you know what? Life's too short. Um, I don't want to have regrets. That's one of the, my kind of key life points is that whatever I do, I move forward. I keep on refreshing my 
desires, my intentions to, to move in the direction that I know that when I'm 80 plus years old and I look mm. back, what? Nope, I did what I wanted to do and no regrets. And so, I mean, yeah, I dropped out of college <laughs> like with two, two courses needing to graduate. I divorced life. I sold everything. My parents thought, of course, I was totally mad, totally insane at uh, 20, 24, 25, 26. Yeah, about 25 or 26 eight years of age. And, and what was what was like the, the, the strongest calling at that point in your life that you would drop everything? And well, I still have and had this this question. What's the highest service to humanity? And it was first firefighting, saving people's lives. Then it was psychological help. And then yoga, philosophy, Eastern philosophy is like spiritual service. And mm -hmm. so there's nothing higher than spiritual self-realization, God realization. And then so I'm convinced that's what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to, I want to be that. I want to pursue what is the most, you know, what I can conceive as the, the highest service to humanity and myself. And so God realization became my ultimate goal. And uh, unfortunately at that time, my wife, my ex-wife, she's was not so intent in uh, living in India or living such a, a life. And so, uh, uh, yeah, at the time it was so weird. It was, just, it was just easy for me. It was just like, just drop it all. Nothing else is worth it. You know, this is the highest <laughs> in my zeal. <laughs> Uh, and then so sounds yeah. like a Gopa Kumar travel journey. You know? It was kind of like that. Yeah. Because I mean, in a sense that I was had this question, what's the highest service? And then so progressively through the body, through the psyche, through the spirit, uh, uh, service intention, I, I really desired to um, move in that direction. Um, and so then I, yeah, I, I much sold everything i got a ticket to india i never expected at least in that age to return <laughs> i didn't know what was going to happen uh, no return ticket you didn't have a return uh, ticket i did not <laughs> i did not <laughs> um and then so i got together with this group of uh, brahmacharis and a couple of brahmacharinis uh in south india and we all just lived in a giant room and uh we had kirtan twice a day and prashadam and we did a lot of videos online we were some of the first devotees to create uh, mm -hmm. on the ios apple platform apps and such and there was a pakta program that was it was all really nicely set up uh, our teacher at the time he was quite intellectual um he had <laughs> interestingly enough his own commentary on vedanta sutra and working on the gita and uh, so we were studying bhakti rasamrita sindhu that was basically like the second book I read <laughs> after the Gita. And that's when it really convinced me that, wow, this is deep. I, so many things were so above my head. That I knew I would spend a lifetime studying this book. And I was just so utterly convinced that the philosophy was extremely deep. The sort of rituals, the uh, lifestyle was very, very just, you know, sattvic, very much in good, goodness, uh, devotional or uh, vegetarian um, and just living with other uh, god brothers were was very appealing very appealing to me 
um, even in my mid twenties. And so, yeah, we, we, we were in Kumbakonam. That's when I first met the devotees in South, South India. And I also first met uh, uh, Madan Mohan Prabhu there. Uh, he was, since the very beginning, a very close friend. Uh, him and I were among others, a couple others were, since we moved like within a couple of weeks of me getting there, we moved and had to move all these things. I helped move and only a few of us stayed behind because it was maybe like, 10 or 12 or 15 of us at some point they all a lot of them moved ahead and then we kind of helped move the stuff that was left behind into moving trucks and i spent mm -hmm. some nice quality time where where were you all moving to uh, at that point we moved from kumbakonam to coimbatore coimbatore area uh near further south just mm -hmm. on the border practically of kerala in uh tamil nadu and so, yeah, uh, it was kind of a mix up. A lot of change was going on, but I guess it didn't matter. I was already changing from <laughs> the US to mm -hmm. India. Uh, but then, yeah, we moved to Coimbatore. We rented a couple of homes there and we just continued with our online kind of presentations. So, well, yeah. You, you were way ahead of the game back then doing all the online stuff even before COVID. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. It was, it was in a lot of senses, I thought we were being pretty progressive with our kind of uh, outreach per se or preaching strategies. We were, mm. we were doing a lot of things uh, online that were uh, pretty nascent at those times, Ooh, sort of 12, 13, 14 years ago now. Um, yeah. yeah, it was very progressive. And obviously, something went wrong. <laughs> or yeah. when I say wrong, yeah. I, 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 uh -huh. that's a, it went right ultimately, yeah. but yeah. something went wrong in terms of that situation. And Krishna had other plans. But what what was the messiness that you kind of bore a pool? Yeah. Well, at that point, um, a lot of details have been uh, addressed by Madan Mohan. I won't I won't go into mm -hmm. recovering that, but. Basically, our preceptor at the time um, had always had these inclinations, these bowel, bowel inclinations in Tantra and had some sexual relations with some of the disciples and got into cannabis and mushrooms. And so the one thing, one lesson that I learned really distinctly is that as one progresses in the bhakti path, Krishna will give you everything you desire before he gives himself uh, all the way up to the point of being a brahma in this universe so yeah i mean he'll give you everything before he gives you himself right uh and so that's what kind of happened i felt uh and at least initially i felt he was quite sincere uh the teacher uh and uh his disciple of Srila Prabhupada was initiated but he just had these really strong kind of Tamasic desires to enjoy sexually and, and such and such. Mm. And uh, I guess he was able to repress them long enough for a few years, like three or four years, but then they kind of resurfaced when, again, Krishna would give you followers, give you money. I mean, he amassed a lot of money uh, in that short time because we were doing a lot of online preaching and we had a few rather rich contributors and so we were at the point where in South India, we were looking to buying uh, land 
and start a community and such, which I always felt very favorable to, even growing up uh, in my 20s, before uh, becoming a devotee, I was always fond of community life, of uh, off-grid living, of growing food, building my own home. And even, yeah, a little later on, when when I left India, I moved to Mexico, I built my own cabin out of like bamboo, uh, mud, and uh, lime, sand, and such. So, you know, to this day, I still very much love living in community life in, in remote places, uh, as this place is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was one big lesson. Krishna will give you anything, everything. So be very careful what you desire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was one lesson, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so true. It's, I think, yeah, universal experience of devotees as they... Make progress, and that the really—it seems like the more sincere you are, it's like the more Krishna says, "Really, you really want me?" Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The more you, yeah, the more I, I pray to like for Krishna to keep giving me more, and then it's just like, but then the ego goes, "No, give me less. I want more of this." <laughs> so it's uh, it's a double bind in a sense. Mm. When, uh, such as myself, so attached to my ego. Uh, but the so situation did, was... Yeah, how did you, growth. How did you navigate that situation? And well, yeah, uh, it was very sad to see like half the community fall away, seeing our preceptor fall away and turn into a Buddhist and then, and then not a Buddhist. Uh, afterwards, he moved to Sri Lanka or something and got into Buddhism and then, and then he got kicked out of there. And then he went back to the U.S. and did all kinds of other wacky things. Um, but yeah, very unfortunate that he didn't continue his uh, practice as a bhakta. Um, to this day now, I don't know where he is exactly, but I don't know how hold any hard feelings. Uh, he gave it, I guess, his best try. And uh, I guess because uh, ourselves being the disciples at the time, the students weren't very mature, we also kind of reacted not so nicely. Uh, I mean, there were some people just like demonizing him and, and a lot of things were worthy of, 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 you know, being said and exposed per se, but to kind of make it so that he turned Buddhist and then mm. away from the practice was, was something I always felt like was not nice. Uh, it should have been like, yeah, recommend, you know, have some real uh, encouragement to, to, what do you call it? be be sorry for what what was done and then grow from there but that that possibility was not allowed for it seemed or and the desires of that teacher at the time were not i guess as pure or whatever i don't know but yeah it sounds sounds like that you know there was a period of time that you were living with him and he was actually it probably giving some real substantial knowledge and um and and was helping you to become more deep in your own krishna consciousness it yeah. sounds like there was a period of time like that so yeah. uh, I, felt, I felt he was pretty sincere in his service um uh, mm-hmm. for a little while for a good while especially in the beginning and um uh to add to that story in fact too there was a point where i had to refresh my visa so i flew back to the states for a few weeks and at that time, I wanted some more association. 
And interestingly enough, I came across Audaria, Audaria's website. And since it was an hour away from my hometown and I had cows, I'm like, oh man, they have cows. I asked my teacher at the time, can I go visit Audaria and, and, and visit Tripurari Swami? And he was like, no, stay away from him and uh, don't go there. And he's uh, too like outside the box or not, not within like ISKCON or outside of ISKCON or whatever it was. But I, I actually first found out of uh, Guru Maharaj's ashram while still within the other summer uh, back in you know, 2010, 2011. Oh. Um, and in retrospect now as well, uh, after kind of studying now Guru Maharaj's books and his classes for so many years, a lot of what this ex-guru, uh, preceptor, teacher would, was saying was actually, I thought it was coming from Guru Maharaj. Uh, I think he was taking, stealing a lot of his ideas because a lot of things mm. sounded so familiar. Mm. I mean, like so familiar. And so in a sense, that's why I also kind of gravitated to Guru Maharaj when, when I did is because a lot of the same things like ontology, philosophy, epistemology, uh, the, mean, uh, the meaning of meaning, why we're here, what, what are we doing? A lot of the philosophy was very, very, very close to what I was uh, listening to or at that time uh, paying attention to studying. So I think he was getting a lot from Guru Maharaj at the point. And he didn't want me to go there because he might have noticed. I might have noticed that, but that's what I got in the sense of later on. That's like a lot of what we used to, he was talking about was not really his own, uh, and that showed up in other writings as well. When, uh, when other God brothers actually st spoke up when he fell down, or so that uh, it was just, uh, yeah, he he was that uh, qualified, I guess, in the sense. So it showed yeah but yeah but yeah to, but not but but and, and yeah that there was there was a lot that you know he yeah just even the way that he was teaching probably yeah. gave made it so that you were used to kind of hearing things in a certain way and because some yeah, people you what? know when they first hear from Maharaj coming from and another sangha you know it's it's mm. hard for them to like wrap their head around the concepts yeah. and the words because he does have different languaging and yeah um yeah. but you were kind of it was it seems like you were um repaired through yeah you know, it really this, clicked yeah you know, that it was there was some preparation being done through this personality yeah and uh, yeah so he he was someone on the journey but he wasn't he was taking you to some somewhere else even though he wasn't aware that that was his purpose but that's what, yeah that's what yeah. how krishna used gave, yeah 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 and one of his last statements to us before we all kind of broke up too it's like we had had this last little circle and he was like well at least i made some devotees he said and i'm like well mm. at least yeah he said that i remember him saying that so it was like uh, he was at least aware of how much of a wealth he was actually, you know, contributing to, uh, even after, uh, or as it was being dismantled. <laughs> uh, and some of you yeah. are still practicing devotees, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, at least half. Uh, I know for sure I'm keeping in touch with a, 
a small handful of them, uh, releases in Mexico. Uh, so yeah, basically after uh, we all had a breakup from India, uh, I didn't want to go back to the States. Uh, so I moved to Mexico, uh, to continue my, my sadhana, my reading, my studying and kind of regroup. And I lived back on my grandfather's farm that I grew up early on in my uh, childhood and spent a year there living with a godbrother in the big empty farmhouse. It's a big house. It's like eight, 10 rooms. Uh, and um, we spent a year there kind of fixing it up. And uh, I learned how to grow my first acre of corn and vegetables, how to tend with cows, how to work, how to work a, a tractor. It was fine. It was fun. Uh, and at that time, Ulises and Christina moved to another state in Mexico and they decided to start their own kind of little ashram, a little home thing. And so they purchased some land in the jungle of Veracruz. And um, then I joined them after a year uh, and lived them, with them for like two or three years and uh, had Manmohan also come with us and live in the same general area. And uh, we helped them build their homes. They built like these Vastu homes with like square kind of plot and foam, a uh, shala in each cardinal direction and a wall and the bricks were all said Krishna and Hare and Ram. Wow, how cool. <laughs> we were like into making, we made our own bricks and we made those bricks. We oh, earth compressed the bricks and we walked and they got cows and animals and uh, the Vedic Way ashram still standing to, to this day is there with Lisa's Prabhu um, and his good wife Christina. Uh, and mm. Yeah, just living the Vedic way, the Vedic lifestyle. Uh, he's very fond of studying Hari Bhakti Vilas and this whole Varnashram Dharma conception is very strong in his uh, kind of outreach and, and lifestyle. So yeah, after India, it was Mexico for a few years uh, with Madan Mohan for six months. We rented a house together. Uh, very, very fond times. Um, we'd read Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu. We read, uh, we first came across uh, Guru Maharaj's Gita together there in Mexico. Wow. Started reading that there. And uh, the online forum uh, that Dulal Chandra Prabhu was very, uh, uh, very nicely leading. Uh, was it Vaishnava the real or apparent, something like that? Mm -hmm. That was very enlivening. And yeah, that's when I first actually, through. yes, yes. Yep. And that's when I first was able to message Guru Maharaj through Facebook and inquire uh, about my situation, especially Guru Tattva. And uh, uh, yeah, reading, reading several books on Guru Tattva, uh, As Good as God, was a very enlightening book, I remember. Uh, mm. From uh, Prabhu, what's his name? Uh, Monsboros. Oh, um, Rigupad. Rigupad. Rigupad Prabhu. Yeah, his book was very enlightening. Uh, reading that before he knew, I knew he was connected to the Sangha was, was on Guru Tattva was oof, very, very enlightening. Uh, and then so that, yeah, around that time in Mexico, um, I built a cabin uh, and I was pretty much set to like kind of live there for a while and continue with my sadhana we had a nice little temple setting and uh but i started reading guru Maharaj's book rasa i love uh, love and transcendence and 
his Gita and uh, and his other book, what was it? Ancient Wisdom for Modern Ignorance. Anyways, a few of his books. <laughs> and I felt uh, I got uh, inspired, especially after being introduced to Bhakti Raksha Dave with Swami Maharaj. And um, I felt that link from Guru Maharaj so strongly that and I felt so complete in my kind of orientation with Prabhupada, mm. with Bhakti Raksha Dave, and then Guru Maharaj. I felt like I received so much that I had to reciprocate to some degree. And so at that point, I decided to visit Audaria in 2014 after living in Mexico for the last few years. And uh, it was just going to be a visit because I, I had a cabin, I had tools, I had all kinds of stuff. I was ready to, to continue living there, no problem. And I visited in 2014 uh, for Jamnastami and stayed it was initially going to stay for a couple of weeks it turned into a month turned into three months <laughs> i never left <laughs> that's basically what happened um wow. and then uh, like a year year and a half later i got initiated mm -hmm. um, but uh yeah it, it reached a point where i was receiving so much shiksha from guru maharaj uh while in mexico that i just had to reciprocate i'm like okay I'm going to go to this farm. I'm going to go to Adaria. I'm going to help the cows. I love cows. And, uh, and uh, pretty much, yeah, uh, I've only gone back to a cabin in Mexico a couple of times in these whole time I've been with wow. Gumaraj and I still have all kinds of stuff there. <laughs> what all do you have there? Uh, I had a nice bicycle. I had like $600 worth of tools and farming equipment and like a gas tank. And I built a kitchen inside there. Uh, I mean, I built the whole cabin, like a 15 by 20 foot uh, rectangular space with a septic bathroom on the outside. And, uh, and I put in a few thousand dollars into it, <laughs> building it myself over the course of like 10 months. But uh, I pretty much abandoned it to just serve Guru Maharaj uh, where he needed me, basically. And since then, it's been Haudarya or Madhuvan and uh, a few times uh, Saragrahi and such. Um, and now mainly now uh, Madhuban. Madhuban. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So you have, you have real estate and- <laughs> <laughs> At least a cabin there. At yeah. least a cabin. <laughs> yeah, there in Mexico, my good friends, Elises. So they're still there, you're, you're good friends. Did they ever, yeah, still did there. They ever take up Krishna conscious, I mean, take another guru or get involved? No, to this no. day, they're still bhaktas. Um, they're still bhaktas, huh? Seven, eight years later. I'm not sure exactly. Um, we did have a few swamis visit us while we were there. And um, I guess Ulysses was never inspired. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was, he's very much, at that time at least, was very much Prabhupada, 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 you know, everything mm -hmm. is in his books. And, and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is the philosophy. And we got Hari Bhakti Vilas for, you know, Sanatana uh, Goswami. And, and so we don't, you know, there's kind of this sense of like soft, not needing a guru kind of idea. Um, mm. But, you know, for sure it's in the philosophy, but just kind of like very wary uh, and kind of waiting for the self-effulgent effulgent acharya to appear and then it's and then for sure you know surrender to him or her or whatever. Mm. 
but I'm not sure. I can't speak for them exactly. Uh, I just know that uh, they're, curious. as far as I know, to this day, mm -hmm. they're kind of still um, not in a particular sound exactly. Yeah, so, so all that brought you to where you are right now, sitting in- More or less, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you're kind of faced. It seems like your your current your current challenge right now is this integration. You're integrate. You're trying to integrate yeah. your um, your career desires into your into your spiritual life. Um, yeah. So you want to talk a little bit about that challenge because that seems to be yeah. kind of an yeah. ongoing thing for you. Yeah, certainly. It was a good shakeup since the pandemic, um, about a year and a half, two now. Wow, it's been that long. Um, I was visiting in May, March, May, right before the pandemic hit. I, I was just going to go back to California for six weeks. And so I left basically everything here. And uh, I was just going to be, it was going to be a short trip to make a little money or whatever and see my parents. But then I got pretty much stuck or trapped, I would say, in, mm. in California for like the, the next preceding 10 months with mm. my computer and 90% of my possessions left behind. And so I was very dislocated. And then at that point, too, Aldaria had just finished kind of uh, moving and transitioning into uh, more of a homestead space and the cows, the farming the the milking was kind of downsized and, uh the pandemic made it a, a very interesting and uh difficult time to find work get work and then not being able to return to Madhavan, not being able to go travel like i would usually had been and so living then with my parents kind of really trapped me in my child mind and how it forced me to kind of really deal with my conditioning uh, mm. and just just like bear through it and suffer through it mm. uh, just like okay now now you don't have your things now you don't have your same association now you're living with your parents the pandemic the world's gonna end um, you have a student loan debt you have no working skills background this and that I felt I hit a, a new a new low in terms of my emotional kind of self-esteem at that point. Mm -hmm. And I had to kind of grow, grow or die. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and at that point, I decided, okay, uh, I need to pick myself up and be more resilient in my movement in this world. Um, being a, a dependent in an ashram for over a decade created a, a mind space, a... a a lifestyle, life, a way of living that was uh, fragile in one sense it's because I didn't own a home. I didn't own vehicles. I didn't own anything really. I just, you know, the few possessions I had to carry back and forth in my travels. Um, and so it uh, had it forced me to grow up in a lot of ways, to grow in, mm. to find the strength to kind of level up, uh, integrate uh, my former professional interests, um, and integrate that back and integrate myself back into society more because uh, since I was been in the ashram, I, I always been a little kind of just 
distant and I always liked to think kind of hermit style. <laughs> uh, and that was nice. It was good at the time. Uh, I needed that to really focus on what I wanted, especially my service to Guru Maharaj. I was just like totally just focused on that. And uh, to some degrees, um, not paying attention to my necessities, my needs as a, a whole person. Um, and so now to reintegrate that has been kind of a rebirth of sorts, uh, a reintegration, yeah. Um, and to then feel the confidence to move forward again in that field of, of being a public kind of presence with people and dealing with people and, um, and then still keeping with my sadhana has been the cr uh, craziest challenge. Um, Kind of balance things balance right keyword yeah keyword yeah, key yeah. Uh, so yeah a lot of growth uh and I'm, I'm grateful for it because it really broke me out of my comfort zone out of this just just surrender and just be a small humble quiet whatever kind of don't don't be don't take too much responsibility because you know i i was i'm not in charge of a mortgage i don't have a family i don't have children i don't so it was kind of like a stir up I, I guess I needed, I knew I needed and uh, to help grow, help integrate, help deal with reality, not escape my financial obligations, um, not escape my kind of internal needs uh, and, and such. And yeah, be okay with who, who I was becoming uh, as, uh, you know, one, as one grows, one when changes, if, if they're not changing, then they're stagnant. So yeah, a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons. And now if you're more ready to be anywhere I need to be, even if it's not here in Madhuvan or, you know, no longer Saragrahi as it were, or Ardaria per se, but to be like interdependent with my needs mm -hmm. and, um, and then I'll have more to offer as well because before I was offering, you know, I was 100% of my time practically in service, but not making a lot of funds per se, because uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's exactly what we need now more of actually is to uh, keep things going financially. Uh, so now I need to, so what I did last year is uh, get, get back into my finance or uh, educational goals. And so um, just recently I've uh, graduated from my uh, breathwork facilitator program. So I'm now a breathwork facilitator and can offer breathwork sort of um, modalities online. And uh, this coming winter, I'm gonna be certifying to do it person in person. And it's a big deal, I think, uh, these breathwork modalities, using music, using the breath to get in touch with these deepest, traumas of our psyche yes. including birth itself <laughs> mm, right right and uh integrating child mind adult mind regulating the emotions being just a whole integrative wholesome person of which in a lot of senses because uh, i was in such a kind of nurtured ashram state i wasn't dealing with a lot of my internal emotional baggage um it was just kind of left side. No, mm. no time for that. No time for that. You know, just repress, repress, repress. Um, service, service. I just want to serve. Yeah, exactly. Not serving yourself, which, I mean, 
It's so interesting that sometimes that's, you know, we have this idea that it's selfish to take care of yourself, but you can't really take care of other people until you've taken care of yourself in the process. So that seems to have been what you, your, you know, really what you've been focusing in on during this last couple of years. And learning to, learning that you have needs because it sounds yeah. like you <laughs> like oh wait i am human too okay i guess it's i have to deal with this kind of stuff too i want to uh, save the world but <laughs> yeah exactly no yeah that's that's the thing is like being and groomer has just said this to me you know don't try to be a great devotee just be a good you know just be and and by being good that means yeah integrating and not escaping and not uh and not uh well, fooling oneself you know um so really just being thoroughly, fully honest, you know, and real and, and appropriate and just moving forward, being present. I'm very much just like, oh no, future, 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 move, service, this, that, you know. And now with a lot of this training, I've kind of uh, been exposed to again in the transpersonal psychology field, uh, breath work, Stanislav uh, Grof, very prominent in that field holotropic breath work, and then reincorporating again my hypnotherapy practice, uh, and then uh, learning this to use those tools once again, and not just throwing them off the side as something, you know, phenomenal or something, uh, you know, just uh, unnecessary or, or lower, right? Uh, as seeing it as to like an integrated practice to, to, to make myself, help myself become more wholesome and so that my practice can be, um, steady i mean yeah steady i mean my yes it has helped a lot in my sadhana as well to just acceptance self-acceptance on every level on every level just to be comfortable with one who, who who one is where one is what one's doing and being present with that and cultivating presence and moving moving day to day with that that idea of nurturing, nurturing. Yeah, that's so. wonderful. And you know, it's this work is so valuable for your own growth, but at the same time, it's such a offering. You want, you know, you've really been asking for service. And yeah, so many devotees are really waylaid and anartanavriti, and they need these, you know, they need practitioners that are really devotee practitioners who are really skilled at you know helping move through the obstacles and um clearing old conditioning that is really preventing them from being able to make spiritual progress so it's it's a wonderful direction for you i think it's you know it's a good really good fit yeah well i i very much appreciate even your help over these last year or two it's, it's been great it's been a good shift in my uh, awareness and my uh, reorienting that's actually part of my kind of ideal is that, that to reorient my perspective uh, reframe as it's as it were in psychology mm-hmm. to uh, put things into perspective and shift from a victim mentality to one of self-empowerment uh, has been and then how to do that again so to reincorporate these tools that I've learned early in my 20s, then again in my late 30s uh, to 
it's, yeah, it's like a full circle, which is like, again, uh, do what you have been doing, but then do it at a deeper level. Um, and then share that has been my biggest now kind of overcoming. Uh, just like now I need to share. How do I share? And then, how, you know, where to do it with who and, and be just natural about it. You know, just be, be myself. And uh, naturally then if others are inclined to, to also learn and, and grow with, and then uh, they're invited to. It's really beautiful. Yeah, I've really seen a lot of confidence developed in you over this period of time. Yeah, it, was, it, was good, it was a good struggle. It was good. I learned a lot. It's, it's necessary. It's necessary. It's like yeah, all absolutely. of these, <laughs> this like decade of just being in kind of a, a smaller mind of service and not dealing with the world. They're kind of like, no, there's everything you have, everything you have to deal with. Um, it was good. It's good. Yeah. Needful. Yes. And it's so individual. Some for some devotees, it's like it's bringing them out of the world and into that small place. <laughs> and for other devotees, it's like, yeah, you know. And it's it's very, yeah, so individual. And Krishna's just expert at. Well, he knows our psychology much better than we do. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and trusting his his direction. Um, yeah, it's it's just. Yeah, that's, I think that's so much of the Sharanagati journey that we're on is, yeah, Krishna knows best. And if I, yeah, I have a choice, I have two choices. I can accept his direction and go that way, or I can fight it tooth and nail, and I'll still end up going that way. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's been, yeah. So, in, in a sense, not worry about so much about controlling the outcomes. But then just kind of moving with the flow and again, really present, present, moving with the present, not, oh. not worried about the past, the past self, not so much concerned about the future self, but then just kind of bringing that together and just like, okay, I can only deal with what race here, right here, right now. And then breathe and move forward. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, well, I really um, look forward to seeing, well, I, no, I don't want to look forward because that's going into the future. <laughs> but um, I know that you're that you're totally in the right right mind frame right now, and um, yeah, it's just it's exciting. It's exciting yeah, and, to watch. Yeah, it's it's all 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 through grace, really. Sadhu Sangha, um, Guru Maharaj, the, the wonderful Sangha that we are a part of. It's just uh, like a like a big family. It's, it's such a beautiful uh, thing to be a part of. Um, it's what I've actually dreamt of my whole life to be a part of a community that is so wholesome, open, broad minded, uh, beautiful, and loving, and caring, compassionate. Uh, it's yeah. It's really this this life already. You know, to, even to this degree, has been uh, what I've envisioned and what I want to keep cultivating. Uh, on a deeper level uh yeah so i'm very grateful for, for all, all, my, all my friends here <laughs> all right so just as kind of like a, a um closing um statement or statements as in your journey if you could you know impart what you think is something really valuable that you could give to the listeners um 
something that you've, you know, that you've maybe learned through your struggle and, and you want to share whatever those, whatever that is or that are, because there may be more than one thing. Um, just really, yeah, part of it is, you know, to love Krishna, you got to love yourself. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's something I've learned in a deeper uh, sense of myself is like, you really have to have self-compassion, self-love, self-care, and to treat yourself like your own best friend kind of idea. You know, we talk a lot about Satya Ras and, and friendship. And so to, to talk to ourselves, to be our own friends, as Krishna says in the Gita, to make the mind a friend, you know. Um, so really utilizing all the horizontal tools and psychology and whatnot to make that mind friendly so that we can move and continue vertically, uh, I think is, is, has been one of my realizations lately. It's been quite important is learn to become your own best friend, certainly. Um, learn to talk to yourself, with yourself, be with yourself in such a fashion that it nurtures your ground of your vertical, uh, horizontal, I mean, uh, stability so that you can step forward, up, move up that ladder vertically, keep steady and, and nishta and sadhana. So, something like Beautiful. Beautiful. Anything else? Any other parting words? Um, that's it. Hari Bol, Hare Krishna. Thank you so much for, for this opportunity. And uh, it just feels so nice to, to be a part of this community. Uh, beautiful, beautiful friends I have here and all over the world. So, so beautiful. So thank you. So we have, a, we have a question in the chat from Sargrahi Dasi. She um, would like to know if you would consider giving some classes using the things you've learned recently here on Top of the Bake. And it could be really helpful in individual sadhana, a beautiful story of yours. She says, I'm in the train, so connection is weak. So that's why she's writing it in the chat. Oh, so see. yeah, what are your thoughts about that? I think it's a lot. Um, yeah, I'll give it some time. I'm very, I'm very slow and particular about how I like to think, word things and frame things. And uh, right now, uh, a big part of it is uh, uh, reorient, uh, how, change your angle of vision, change your life is kind of my motto. <laughs> I really like change your angle of vision. Uh, and so it really is just kind of like going back into and, and just reframing things and then putting things in a learning perspective as a learner, as a grower, instead of as a victim and to Absolutely. learning how to do that, how to talk with oneself, how to use certain words, how to communicate with the subconscious mind and deeply make those changes that are drawn, that are just discharging your energy, right? Um, and so a lot of those tools and, and modalities, I'd love to help uh, express and show forth. I'm working on a website right now and um, uh, I, I've been considering offering breathwork sessions to devotees online more now as well. Uh, I may uh, be more uh, open to that idea. I, I have so, I've done so here in Maduvan with some positive results. And so, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to become more, more verbal, more visual. Um, we'll see if, if, if with time, um, something can manifest uh, with your guys' blessings. Yeah. Okay. And she, and she, she um, followed up with, we can wait a bit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, yeah. we're not, no, no one's, no one's rushing you. 
great. No, that's so beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for the suggestion. Um, I will think about, yeah, as I kind of compile how I want to present uh, what I like to call Vedic psychology to um, the, the angle of <laughs> vision in that sense. So, um, yeah, I'll for sure think about it and have things. Wonderful. Let's see if we, if Indra just popped on, she has a question. Okay. Oh, hello. Hare Krishna. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Thank you, Archana City, that you do the series again. Um, I've, I was actually watching um, on YouTube and now I just came on. So, because I wanted to ask you actually a couple of questions, I hope that's okay. It was really interesting. Like, thank you for sharing your journey. Yeah. And like um, what you what you said about like this integration process was really interesting to hear uh, as well. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering, do you still have invisible friends? <laughs> uh, interesting question. Um, invisible, he's more visible because now he's I can see him on the altar. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> and answer. So, yeah, it's, it's in one sense it's so nice because then. Uh, the beauty is more, uh, way more vivid, way more visual, way more enhanced with the deities on the altar and how they're dressed every day differently, the flowers. And then, uh, yeah, the arati, I like arati. So um, uh, in that sense, more visible. It's uh, <laughs> And at the same time, this inner kind of dialogue with this friend has actually transmuted a bit more with like an inner dialogue with how I've represented Guru Maharaj in my life. And so uh, I've cultivated and I've been trying to cultivate more this, this, this inner dialogue as if I'm speaking with Guru Maharaj throughout the day. I have questions uh, and uh, I just talk to him in my mind and, and I get answers. And, and, you know, as I'm listening to classes or reading, but uh, so that inner friend is more visible now. And I would say the closest friend, my best friend is in a lot of ways, Guru Maharaj. So, um, so yes, speaking as if I'm speaking to, to, to my, my guru <laughs> in, my, in my heart. It's kind of, kind of a cultivator. <laughs> Amazing answer. Um, is it okay? I have, I have more questions. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so I was just wondering, like, how did your family react? And do you have like any siblings or uh, like, yeah, just the dynamics? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, because my family in some ways had a, pretty strong religious orientation and I always kind of presented it to them and they're very much like this is my calling you know my service to God and so they've been extremely supportive I mean the only way I've been able to financially be able to move around the world without having a job for the last decade has been, been because of my parents uh, you know travel money this that whatever my needs um, they've been very very helpful um, they don't understand it totally they're still very Catholic and they're like, at some point we just have to like not talk about it. Cause I always just talk about, it. <laughs> we just have to, okay, just, can we just talk about sports for a little while? It's like, oh, okay. Uh, but I, I have, you know, even at a young age, uh, my grandfather uh, in Mexico would, would, would have we'd, uh, chant together, mother Mary and our father. Uh, and so you know, I have an aunt who's a nun and, so they've been very supportive, um, very, very supportive, at least to the degree that they're not saying, no, don't do that, or no, you can't be a part of us anymore. Uh, uh, I've been very close-knit uh, Latin 
family that it's, it's I've been so blessed with uh, the love and the care that I've received through them. Even when they, you know, I haven't been what they perceived me as wanting to be, you know, being the firstborn male and not having children. And this, <laughs> it was very, very big shock for my parents. Uh, I have three younger sisters, by the way. Um, and so they, they're very lovely sisters. Uh, and being the eldest has always been that kind of an extra edge to my father's like, okay, where, where's my grandchildren <laughs> or something, you know? Uh, but otherwise, super helpful, yeah. Um, not, you know, fully understand everything uh, exactly. They, they have their, their conceptions, but they know that there's a God and, and that he's all loving and that service to, to him is the highest, highest, uh, highest service. And so they've helped me cultivate that and continue to cultivate that. So I'm very blessed to have uh, parents that were favorable, neutral to favorable, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads me to two more questions. Um, what happened to your grandfather's house in Mexico? And did you yeah. ever plan to get remarried? Uh-huh. Um, at this point, my grandfather's home is still standing. I helped repair the roof and such. And it's kind of like just a more vacation home for my aunts and uncles and my father and my mother when they visit there. Uh, the farm is still ongoing. They still have cows there. They, they uh, milk twice a day. Um, and it's part of their business. I mean, I kind of, in a sense, I grew up in a, in a, uh, a dairy farm condition. Uh, and as far as uh, getting married or having a relationship in that status, uh, it's been a lot of reintegration of different parts of myself. Um, and uh, it's, to be honest, uh, it's more, more, uh, more, more acceptable in my sense of being uh, as a reality for me. Uh, and especially, especially now more than ever, let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, and so I'm open to more, more possibilities and my ideas not repressing so much and just being being real accepting myself as i am yeah thank you yeah, thank you for your question thank you for your questions <laughs> and does anybody else have a question that they would like to ask before finishing wow there's quite a few it's great to see that yeah well, it looks like um, we don't have any other questions now. Um, so I just want to thank you so much. I know you had to think about this about doing the interview, and yeah. I'm just yeah. so happy that you go out of my comfort zone. You went out of your comfort zone, so that will encourage others that are maybe hanging into their comfort zone and not wanting to do the interviews. But we do have you know, Indra and uh, Ram Mohan both this month will be doing interviews okay. as well. So, and Padmanabha Swami, of course, it's not out of his comfort zone to do an interview. Right. Yeah, I know, I don't right? Think, I don't think it's so out of Indra's comfort zone either. <laughs> Some people, it's very natural, so. But it, it was beautiful. You did a wonderful job, you, you know, very, articulate and confident and just really shows my getting ready for your you know your, your presence online <laughs> and uh, yeah it's been a working out yeah that's it's great it's great i uh, feel more ready than ever <laughs> wonderful well i thank all the devotees for joining us it's been fun getting back into our interviews and um 
We'll see everybody soon and have a wonderful rest of your day and until we meet again. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare yeah. Thank you. Hare Krishna. And thank you, Ananga Manjari, for your translating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Haribo. Thank you, Haribo. Jai.